Welcome to the Crypto Winter Interview Series, brought to you by Fintech Nexus. In this series, we are interviewing a wide range of voices, leaders in the crypto community, where we discuss how they are navigating the downturn in the markets and what it all means for the future of crypto and the broader financial system. Welcome back to another episode of our Crypto Winter podcast series. I'm your host today, Todd Anderson, Chief Content Officer at Fintech Nexus. And joining us today, uh, we have a special guest from Zero Hast, Zero Hash, excuse me, uh, Julia Morangiello. Uh, Morangiello. Morangiello, there you go. So you can uh, say it better than I, but Julia, I, I'd like to kick off with just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Zero Hash, and you know, kind of where you fit in the Web3 crypto universe so people have a sense of, of kind of what you, you do. Yeah, sure. And Todd, thanks so much for having me on the show. Of course. Um, so my name is Julia. Um, I'm actually an investor by background, so spent most of my career in venture capital focusing on fintech and crypto from both a B2B um, perspective as well as B2C. So looked at a lot of the neobanks, crypto exchanges, as well as the, the crypto infrastructure providers. Um, and after having done that for a couple of years, joined Trade Republic, which was the um, largest European neo broker, where I was helping build out their crypto offering. And it was there that I realized how complex it is actually to build a crypto product from scratch, from both the technical perspective, as well as the regulatory perspective. And it's really that experience that brought me to Zero Hash, where I'm currently working as head of growth for Europe. Uh, and Zero Hash is essentially a digital assets as a service provider. So we enable fintechs and traditional financial institutions uh, to seamlessly integrate crypto into their product. So whether that's enabling their end users to buy and sell crypto, whether it's enabling them to earn crypto rewards, to stake their digital assets in return for yield, or to purchase NFTs, we enable all of that um, through our platform with a couple of APIs so our customers don't need to worry about building it themselves. And we see ourselves as lowering the threshold and boundaries for companies to launch digital asset products um, and reducing the time frame for launching these products from you know, a year plus to just a mere couple of weeks. And today we work with a wide range of different clients. So from crypto native firms like MoonPay, Ramp and Transact, which you might have heard of, to leading neo brokers in the US like Money Lion and Current. Uh, and then we also have started to, to move up market to serve larger traditional financial institutions. So uh, we have customers such as Interactive Brokers and IG Group. Uh, and in the long run, we, we believe that we can move even beyond that and, and service any type of company that wants to offer crypto. Uh, our, our underlying hypothesis is that every company will sooner or later become a crypto company. They'll want to accept crypto. And ZeroHash's ambition is really to provide the plumbing and infrastructure to support that shift. Yeah, you know, we've heard a lot in especially the last, say, six, eight, ten weeks about the impact of 
the crypto winter. Uh, you know, we've had those big uh, issues with either the crypto based lenders with Celsius, Voyager, others. Uh, and then we also obviously had the um, the issues with, um, you know, Terra and Luna. Um, but as a company that kind of sits in the middle um, of and and onboards, um, you know, um, companies like fintechs and banks uh, and others in the traditional space, have you seen the quote unquote crypto winter impact the interest from these types of firms? Are they becoming more reticent? Are they doubling down and saying, hey, now is the perfect time that, you know, kind of speculation and stuff is kind of out of the market. It might be a better time to get in. What's kind of the impact from some of those types who've been you know, looking to maybe add these products um, and are hearing all this noise uh, about what's going on in the market? Yeah. Um, so I'd say that as a B2B company, Zero Hash has been relatively shielded Um from the crypto winter, because we're working, we're servicing, you know, these neobanks and neobrokers who, although have seen in the short term interest from their end customers decline when it comes to crypto, those companies are also the ones that in many cases have missed out on the crypto bull run over the last few years. So they've seen the success of companies like Robinhood moving into crypto at one point um, last year, I think. Crypto made up about 60% of Robinhood's revenue. And a lot of these fintechs and traditional financial institutions are preparing themselves now for what they believe will be a second crypto bull run. So despite the um, crypto winter, most of the companies that we're engaging with um, you know, haven't changed their roadmaps. They still want to focus on crypto and they see this kind of calm period as an opportunity to focus on focus on building great products for users so that when crypto picks up again, they'll be ready so, to, to service the market. Do you think the, the current place the market's in could potentially be a net benefit long-term? Um, you know, we've seen some of the, the, obviously back to some of the issues I mentioned before, but, you know, there is a lot of speculation as to where the market might be going, where it is today. Could this be a net benefit seeing how maybe some of these things have broken and, and ways to maybe better build a, a more, um, you know, I guess, stable way forward? Totally. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a really positive thing. Uh, if we think about the past two years in the crypto markets, the narrative has very much focused on speculation, this get rich quick mentality, um, and people just pouring money um, into businesses without really understanding the fundamentals. And I think what's interesting about this crypto winter is that it's an opportunity to change people's mindset around crypto, to um, yeah, enable builders to reassess how they're thinking about building crypto products to ensure that they're more sustainable, to ensure that they have the right risk management practices um, and to ensure that they can build products that can withstand this massive market volatility, which is inherent in crypto. Uh, I believe that similar to the dot-com bubble and the burst which followed, uh, that this crypto winter could be one of those opportunities um, where some of 
the most innovative generational companies in crypto will emerge because people really take a step back and look at the fundamentals and think about how do you build a sustainable company that not only makes money, but is also protecting consumers um, and is also not susceptible to the risks that many of these companies have uh, have been subject to. You know, regulation is is typically brought up as as one of the barriers in the space. Um, and while I I certainly believe regulators should be clearer and and take a um, a forward looking approach, they're not just going to jump in and willy nilly you know approve things left and right. They're going to take their time. They're going to be diligent. But is it sometimes easy to kind of blame regulators in some ways um, and use them as as kind of this um, you know excuse to that things are are maybe where they are or um, you know that that that's the main impediment when in reality maybe regulation is is not the main impediment. I think totally. You're you're absolutely right. I so to give you some context, I signed up um, to head growth for zero hash in Europe. So you know sales, marketing, business development, and so on. What I find myself doing most of the time is figuring out where we stand from a regulatory. Um, perspective, how do we get licensed in all of these European countries? And the fact that every European country has their own set of regulations and that those are constantly changing makes it very difficult as a crypto company. So in the short term, regulation is definitely an impediment for most crypto companies, particularly given the uncertainty around it and given the fact that it is really a moving target. You know, one month people will say like, this is the regulation, then it'll be upgraded and, and it's it's constantly changing. So it it is a clear barrier, but it is a much needed development. And particularly, uh, in terms of zero hash, we are looking to move up market and serve some of these traditional financial institutions. And the reality is a lot of those institutions are reluctant to touch crypto until there is a clear regulatory framework. So we see it as a as a difficult but very positive development for the industry that will not only open up our market, also end up um, protecting customers from some of the some of the things that we've just seen happen, some of these collapses. You know, there's, you know, the the collapses uh, in many ways um, can be traced back to either, um, you know, a centralized, you know, management team, a, a centralized, uh, you know, way of doing things that, you know, plays in the crypto space, but they're really more of a centralized uh, infrastructure uh, and centralized company, the way that they operate. Um, do you think, the current battle between the the centralized decentralized you know what are your thoughts on kind of how much decentralization can be adopted into the traditional financial system and has defi proven some of its thesis out because most of the issues have been related back to you know centralized crypto companies for lack of a better term yeah um I think it, it, it's difficult to, um, I guess we can't necessarily jump to the conclusion that that because DeFi hasn't seen the same the, the collapse that centralized crypto lenders have that it's necessarily a better model. Uh, I, I think DeFi is very interesting, but 
and has a lot of opportunity to change the way that traditional financial services are offered. Um, but it is at the very early stages. And the reality is that um, these centralized crypto companies that have, um, yeah, that have to a certain extent been a large cause of this crypto winter offer a very different service than these DeFi companies. So what went wrong from my perspective with these centralized crypto companies is that they tried to act like traditional financial institutions and traditional financial lenders. So they were taking assets from users, promising them super high yields, and then taking those assets and lending them out to other users or financial institutions. Um, the problem with these companies is not necessarily related to crypto. It's the fact that from my perspective, they didn't properly assess counterparty risk and also didn't take into account the fact that crypto is extremely volatile, unlike some of these traditional assets. And because of that, their whole business models broke down. And DeFi, uh, by contrast, offers a very different type of lending. So they offer what is called uh, over collateralized lending, meaning that if you want to borrow like $100 of Matic or Solana, you have to lock up $100 of, of Bitcoin. So the advantage of that is the risk of failure and collapse is obviously very low because you have all of these assets that are locked up in smart contracts as collateral. So even if one party defaults, um, you still have those, those assets held there. So the, the risk of default is low and the risk of collapse is low. But the problem is that the use cases that DeFi currently supports are super limited because it only really caters to like these crypto traders that have lots of crypto, they don't want to spend it, they want to borrow against that crypto. And it's not, I don't believe it's yet applicable to um, a lot of mainstream use cases. So I think what will happen during this crypto winter is that there'll be a lot of work done in terms of seeing how can we merge these two models and take the advantages of centralized um, crypto lending and crypto companies uh, and combine that with some of these advantages of, of DeFi and, and smart contracts to create a model that that really works for, for users for the long, long run. What do you see as the, the biggest issue with where the technology is today? I think there's many when it comes to like DeFi, and if, if we if you want to go beyond just your basic crypto buy and sell, mm -hmm. I think the biggest technological challenge is the fact that many of these products and many much of what crypto has to offer is pretty inaccessible. There's poor UI, poor UX. Um, you know, if you want to buy buy and sell crypto, you can go to Coinbase, you can go to crypto.com. But if you want to do anything more, you need to go and interact with, you know, DeFi, Web3. And this is pretty limiting if you're not a crypto native user. So there's complex interfaces, there's these non-custodial wallets, remembering long seed phrases. You have to deal with, with high gas fees often, which are just just crazy and limit you from actually yeah. doing any sorts of interactions. Uh, and many people are locked out of the ecosystem because of this. And it, and 
this is one of the reasons I find zero hash so interesting because we're not only enabling those basic crypto buy and sell use cases, but we're also starting to build products around staking, around yield, around NFTs, and integrating those into interfaces that customers are familiar with, i.e. their favorite neobank, their favorite traditional financial institution, and, and so on. Um, so yeah, I, I, to answer your question, I'd say that the, one of the biggest challenges is definitely this, this UI and UX and um, you know, enabling more mainstream users to access the, the ecosystem. I was talking to a, um, a, um, a founder yesterday who, who also is working and building in the, the Web3 and crypto space. And one of the things he mentioned was um, you know, the cybersecurity issues uh, and a lot of the hacks. Uh, that have been taking place. Um, how much of a an impact can those potentially have on on say tradfi and and regulators? Because that's a you know that's a fearful type of thing. Like, wow, what's going on when you know six hundred million goes missing or four hundred million or you know whatever the the sum is? Is it that some of these protocols and companies are you know, unintentionally maybe taking shortcuts because they want to build, they want to build fast, they want adoption, or are there some real gaps in, in, you know, cyber issues um, that they just haven't necessarily addressed yet? I, I think it's a, a mixture of both. The reality is that, uh, yeah, as a fully decentralized business, there is a big risk that of cyber breach of hacks um, and unless you're properly audited and not only audited like once in a while, but you do regular technical um, and cyber audits, you're you're at risk. And, and I, I think this is why I feel like fully dis decentralized platforms do not necessarily solve all of our problems. There are many people that are advocating for full decentralization. But with full decentralization comes the risk of, you know, bugs, of smart contract failure and of hacks. And the way that I see the ecosystem moving forward is, is the merging of, you know, decentralized with some of the best parts of, of centralized ecosystems and finding ways to bake in security, building out not necessarily regulation, but specific protocols so that we ensure that hacks and um and bugs are happening to, to a lesser extent. And when they do, that customers are appropriately protected. Um, you mentioned some of the, um, you know, obviously things that uh, Zero Hash is, is getting involved in and helping to build beyond just the buy and sell. Um, but overall, what do you say is, and what do you see as some of the most interesting product development uh, being done in the space right now? So this might be a, a controversial opinion, but I'm still very bullish on stable coins, despite what we've seen with, with Terra and the collapse of these algorithmic stable coins. Uh, I, I think stable coins are a key driver for, for the crypto landscape as a whole. And I'm really excited to see what types of stable coins um, will be introduced in, in the long run. And, and the reason behind this is that I think that a lot of the potential around crypto has yet to be materialized just due to the inherent volatility of some of these assets. And stable coins have the potential 
to, to solve that and in doing so, lower some of the barriers to mainstream crypto adoption. In particular, I think that they have the, the potential to move traditional payment flows to the, these crypto-based rails. And once you actually move payments from traditional fiat rails to crypto rails, you unlock a, a wide range of different advantages. Not only do you get things like 24-7 settlements, but you get dramatically lower fees across the board, whether that's you know merchant payments, whether that's remittances. And uh, a big reason for this is because traditional payments and that whole ecosystem is to a certain extent held that ransom by the likes of Visa, MasterCard, Amex that are all charging 2% for every transaction. Yeah. And that transaction, yet yeah, it gets charged to the merchant, but then the merchant ultimately passes it back to the, cons- the customers. And we are paying for that 2% at the end of the day. Um, and if we were to move to crypto payments, we can, you know, I guess, give give customers that two percent back and uh, just start cutting out some of these middlemen and those fees that have been rampant in the industry. You know, I always wonder about this question, like even that the last point to pick up on that, like how far I know it's hard to look into the future, but like, is that somewhat in the next few years next decade like some of this building and some of what's going on feels like it's around the corner but at other times it feels like it's so far away with the way there's some entrenchment with the visa and mastercards or just the way some banks are operating in the infrastructure that they have yeah i think it's it's a long journey i I read a statistic the other day that i think less than five percent of all assets are in, in custody or crypto assets. So the industry is, is very much in its infancy. Um, and I think it will be, you know, a 10-year plus journey for, for this to truly become mainstream. And, and a lot of innovation will have to take place to displace some of these traditional financial yeah, infrastructures and uh, yeah, it will it won't be easy, and and I think a lot of these traditional financial players are also realizing that their positions are being jeopardized. So even they are taking part in this ecosystem and leading some of the innovation to a certain extent because they do not want to become uh, irrelevant. Well, Julia, I think that's a, a good place to end. I appreciate you taking a, a few minutes. If someone wanted to to find you, find Zero Hash, how would they do that? How could they reach out if they wanted to set up a conversation or potentially learn a bit more about you? Yeah, so um, Zero Hash is active on, on most social channels, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, you can also reach me on either of those uh, mediums. It's Julia at Julia Morangello. Quite difficult to spell, but if you put If you just type in Julia Zero Hash, you'll be able to find me. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking a few minutes out of your day. Uh, We appreciate it and continued success um, with you and the team. Thanks so much, Todd. This was a, a lot of fun. Thank you.